Radio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. Hey, a way to start your day. Today is Friday, July the 28th. It is the feast of Blessed Stanley Rother. Let's say a prayer this morning for his canonization in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen O god fount of all holiness make us each walk worthily in our vocation through the intercession of your saints on whom you bestowed a great variety of graces on earth having graced your church with the life of your priest and martyr blessed stanley rother Grant that by his intercession, this humble flock may reach where the brave shepherd has gone. Grant that your church may proclaim him a saint, living in your presence and interceding for us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul Lockman at the controls for us. Matt is off to visit his grandparents this weekend. So uh, we will look forward to having him back, I think, on Monday. I'm pretty sure. Say a prayer for his travels. We got an excellent hour ahead up this hour. Carlo Broussard, the apologist from Catholic Answers, will join us to begin a new series on his book on the new relativism. And today we'll get an idea of what total relativism means. Stephanie Mann has another story an incredible story to tell us today of a Welsh martyr recounted in Father Bowden's mementos of the English martyrs and confessors. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer with Ken Craycraft, who is our legal and political analyst and sometimes cultural analyst. And I think all of that is going to come into play in our conversation today. He has many thoughts after reading the book and seeing the movie. And then we'll wrap things up for the hour with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture to get a preview of the Mass readings for Sunday this weekend. Right now it's three minutes past. It's time for news. Illinois is targeting pro-life pregnancy centers. Governor Pritzker signed the so-called Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act. The law bans pregnancy centers from using what is described as misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to interfere with access to abortion services or emergency contraception. The measure allows the Illinois Attorney General to investigate complaints against centers and strengthens the AG's office power to prosecute what they deem to be consumer fraud. The Thomas More Society has filed a lawsuit on behalf of the National Pregnancy Help Network, NIFLA, to get this law blocked. 
Peter Breen said in a statement, quote, this law is a blatant attempt to chill and silence pro-life speech under the guise of consumer protection, end quote. The Holy See Press Office has presented the itinerary for the Pope's upcoming visit to Lisbon next week for the 2023 World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Matteo Bruni, the director of the Holy See Press Office, noted that this will be the 42nd international journey of Pope Francis's and his second one to Portugal after that of 2017 on the occasion of the centenary of Our Lady's apparitions. Matteo Bruni noted that over 330,000 young people have registered from over 200 countries and 20,000 volunteers have registered from 150 countries. More than 700 bishops and 20 cardinals will be at their service, guiding them in catechesis. Peace will certainly be at the centre of the prayers at this World Youth Day, said Matteo Bruni. When questioned by journalists, Bruni did not confirm, but neither did he exclude, that the Pope might meet with young Russians and Ukrainians. Also, when asked if a meeting with the victims of child sexual abuse would be planned, the Vatican spokesman responded by underlining Francis's well-known sensitivity and attention to these issues. If these meetings do take place, he said, they will also take place in a confidential manner to facilitate the healing process of the victims. If there should be a meeting, news will be given after it takes place, said Matteo Bruni. Pope Francis will speak in public 11 times, pronouncing nine speeches and two homilies. Only the first will be delivered in Italian, whilst the others will all be in Spanish. It is a language of the Pope, explained Matteo Bruni, the language through which he can reach the greatest number of people. Finally, Matteo Bruni noted that Portugal, Spain, France and Italy are the countries that the Pope will be flying over, and that as in previous apostolic journeys, with the Pope on the plane, there will also be a Vatican employee, this time from the Secretariat of State. I'm Francesca Merlo. Former President Trump is accusing the Justice Department of abuse after more charges were filed against him in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. Trump told Fox News Digital Thursday that, quote, this is what you get for leading the polls for the White House in 2024 and called the charges ridiculous. Special Counsel Jack Smith is adding one defendant to the prior indictment against Trump and aid Walt Nauta, along with an additional charge of willful retention and two new obstruction counts. Trump and Nauta have already both pleaded not guilty to federal charges related to the documents. A hearing will resume today to determine the sentence for a Michigan school shooter. The suspect pleaded guilty last year to all charges in the killing of four students at Oxford High School in 2021. He was 15 years old at the time of the massacre and can be sentenced to life in prison without parole, only at the discretion of a judge. A ruling is expected in the coming days. Gas prices are at an eight-month high. More from Brian Shook. AAA reports the national average price for a gallon of regular gas hit $3.71 on Thursday. That's the highest the average has hit since November and is 13 cents more compared to a week ago. The jump comes as the price for a barrel of oil has surged to $80, a three-month high. California has the highest average price at $4.93, while Mississippi drivers are seeing the lowest average at $3.17 a gallon. I'm Brian Shook. And a Senate committee is passing legislation to make AM radio available for free in the Every Vehicle Act. In a bipartisan vote, the bill receiving overwhelming support and now moves from the Commerce Committee on to the full Senate. The legislation would turn to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration 
to make a rule that requires vehicle manufacturers to keep AM broadcast radio without a surcharge. The president of the National Association of Broadcasters says the legislation would allow AM radio to continue as the backbone of the nation's emergency alert system. And I will add to that, this is very good news for Catholic radio. Many of our Catholic radio affiliates on AM radio, and you probably do hear that emergency alert system. We are, in fact, required to test it at least once a week. So in addition to, you know, helping save the body in that way, we, of course, work to help save the soul. So say a prayer for all of this because threats to AM radio are definitely threats to Catholic radio. Today is Friday, July the 28th. It is the Feast of Blessed Stanley Rother. Pray for us. It's eight past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Carlo Broussard. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers, author of The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. You can find him online at carlobroussard.com. Invite him to speak through Catholic Answers Speakers. Dot com. You are still looking for speaking gigs, right, Carlo? Absolutely, Anna. I'm always ready to rock and roll, whether it's your second grade first communion class, your confirmation class, or adults in the pew, or the lecture at the university hall. They can get in touch with us by calling us at Catholic Answers or just going to CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com, as you said, Anna. What kind of stuff do you talk about, Carlo? Oh, a variety of uh, topics, Anna, from God's existence and atheism to the papacy to Mary, the saints, to defending Jesus and the historicity of the Gospels. So a variety of topics. Well, awesome. So CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com, again, is where you can go get more information about getting Carlo out to your parish or to your second grade class, which I think would be (laughs) super fun. So. And I've done it, too, even a three-hour retreat for second-grade class. Really? Yes, but I would recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little much for you, but, you know, yeah. you know, challenge Carla. I did it. I That's did awesome. It. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's dive into your book now, The New Relativism. Um, we're going to be starting off in in a section in here on total relativism. So first off, give us a definition of total relativism. Yeah, so total relativism is the philosophical worldview that there's no absolute truth whatsoever, whether we're talking about morality, history, science, religion, whatever it may be, there's no absolute truth. There's no truth independent of what you or I happen to think. Truth is relative to either what the individual says or even what a group or a collection of individuals would say. Some philosophers call that society says relativism, Mm -hmm. the individual, I say relativism. So that's total relativism. And there are a few modern woke moral commands that I see as categorized or classified within that category or form of relativism. Okay, let me and stop you there for the just a second, forms. Carlo, yeah. because I want to back up from for one one moment, because um, yeah. I personally don't have a great grounding in philosophy, and so yeah. I'm going to assume that, that many of our listeners don't have a great grounding in philosophy either. 
um, and and might actually fall into relativistic thinking if we're not careful. Um, can you give us or explain for us the difference between relative and absolute truth that you're talking about here? Yes. So absolute truth, that means there is reality, there is truth independent of what you think, of what I think, or what Joe Blow down the street thinks. There is a reality that we can all, that our minds can all come to know, okay? Relativism says there is no reality that's independent, objective, from what you think, I think, or Joe Blow thinks down the street. And we have our own realities, my own reality, your own reality, Joe Blow's own reality. That's what relativism says. Notice it wouldn't be a difference of opinion about what we think reality is. Rather, it would be our own distinct realities. So what you say is true, that's going to be your own reality. And what I say is true is going to be my own reality. So it's relative to my own belief system. That's fascinating. It's pretty radical. Yeah, that is, that's I, I mean, total relativism. when you actually hear the definition, you think yeah. that's outrageous. And people really it, believe that? <laughs> yes. In fact, you would think that people do not believe that, especially this to this day. But in fact, it is embedded in some of the modern woke moral commands. And this is embodied in the common catchphrase, you have your truth, I have mine, right? Right, right. And that was the quote-unquote old relativism. People were going around saying that, well, that's your truth, I have my own truth, and people were pretty explicit about that. But you would think that no longer exists because we have all of these modern moral commands. You can't be a white supremacist. Well, how can you say white supremacy is wrong, and you're wrong for believing in it and being a white supremacist, when there's no absolute truth, when there's no truth that's independent of what you and I happen to think. And so you would think that total relativism is gone, right? You would think it's gone and is done with. But as we'll talk about, I'm sure, in, uh, in future segments, that this total relativism is alive and well, and it's lurking behind some of these modern absolutes, especially thou shalt not be a white supremacist. Yeah, so just quickly, because we've only got about a minute here, Carlo, right. um, just what are the, the, the ways that you see that you cover in the book total relativism playing out in the world today? Yes, yeah, so thou shalt not be a white supremacist. Whenever you unspin the modern spin of that command, you discover very quickly that it's total relativism. Wow. Because what people mean by white supremacy is affirming objective truth. Thou shalt not impose is another one, and thou shalt not say he or she. So hmm. contemporary gender ideology. And we'll unpack all that, Anna, in a future segment. Oh, man. I cannot wait to unravel this. It's going to be fun. It is. Hang on. This is Buckle up. Fasten your seatbelts, folks. The New Relativism is the book. You can find it through Catholic Answers Press and linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Com. And don't forget, you can invite Carlo to speak through CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. Carlo, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. It was great talking with you. 
All right, it's a quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. A pair of cold fronts will bring rain showers and thunderstorms to the northern Rockies and Plains, the upper Mississippi Valley, Great Lakes, Midwest, and Mid-Atlantic. Few showers and thunderstorms are possible across New England, interior New England, this evening. There will be a chance for strong to severe thunderstorms, mainly in the Midwest and lower Great Lakes. A few gusty thunderstorms could also develop in the northern Rockies and interior New England. Heavy downpours will also be a possibility, especially in the lower Great Lakes and Midwest. Rain and thunderstorms will soak Florida and the coast of Georgia and the Carolinas as well. Isolated and scattered showers and thunderstorms will develop in the Four Corners region this afternoon and evening. Otherwise, dry weather prevailing for most places west of the Rockies, as well as the central and southern plains, the lower Mississippi Valley, and the deep south. Headlines coming up next. It's 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question-and-answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. 18 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. The Holy See Press Office has presented the itinerary for the Pope's upcoming visit to Lisbon for World Youth Day. The vicar of the Diocese of Odessa of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has told Russian Patriarch Kirill, a missile you blessed hit the altar. And Illinois is targeting pro-life pregnancy centers with a new law signed by the governor called the, quote, Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act. Okay, first of all, what a, terif- what a terrible name. But I want to pr- play for you um, a soundbite. 
I actually, I had the privilege of going on Teresa Tamio's show last week to uh, participate in Fact Check Friday on Catholic Connection. And, well, I feel like this one, this one could go on here too. So this is the, uh, the story from my newswire, and I, I just can't wait to play this soundbite for you. This is, it says, Illinois is targeting so-called crisis pregnancy centers. And then it says, Planned Parenthood of Illinois CEO and President Jennifer Welch spoke out against the centers. Here's what she had to say. The goal of these centers is simple. They're trying to get people in their doors to stop them from having abortions. Okay. What's wrong with that? Yeah, there you go. So apparently this is deception. Thank God for the Thomas More Society. Um, I'm trying to get one of their representatives on the show to talk more about this. This is unreal that they're going after pregnancy centers like this. It's 21 past for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A novena prayer for the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe. O Lord Jesus Christ, who said, Greater love than this no man has than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Through the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe, whose life illustrated such love, we beseech you to grant our petitions. Through the Knights of the Immaculata Movement, which Maximilian founded, he spread a fervent devotion to Our Lady throughout the world. He gave up his life for a total stranger and loved his persecutors giving us an example of unselfish love for all people, a love that was inspired by true devotion to Mary. Grant, O Lord Jesus, that we too may give ourselves entirely without reserve to the love and service of our heavenly queen in imitation of your humble servant, Maximilian. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. You can read her her blog at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Ed. We're continuing to read through yes, Father sir. Bowden's mementos of the English martyrs and confessors, and today we're actually getting the story of a Welsh martyr 
Blessed William Davies. He was martyred July 27th, 1593. What do we know about him prior to his imprisonment and martyrdom? The record is pretty scanty, just that he studied uh, for the priesthood on the uh, continent at at, uh, Douay and then returned to Wales and served his people in, in, uh, excuse me, in Reims in France uh, in April of 1585, returned to Wales as a missionary priest. And then seven years later, he was arrested. And with four students that he was sending to Spain to study for the priesthood and imprisoned in Beaumaris Castle uh, in uh, uh, Wales. And so he was held there for about six months with these four young men who had been destined and still were destined for study for the priesthood in Spain. Yeah, which is why there's such an interesting title to one of the two entries that Father Bowden has on Father Davies. Right. Yes. He he has the title of The Three Children in the Furnace, and he has the verse from the book of Daniel uh, describing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they walked in the midst of the flame, praising God and blessing the Lord. That's Daniel chapter 3, verse 34. And what Father Bowden describes is that I guess he was kind of like their seminary leader or they're their, their, uh, preparing them. Father William Davies, Blessed William Davies, came up with a rule of life for himself and these four young men. And But the interesting twist of this is they had, they had all been arrested, well, he for his priesthood particularly, and they because they were Catholic. And yet while they were in prison, they were allowed to practice their Catholic faith yeah. fully. I mean, they were saying, he was saying mass. They were reading the the uh, uh, the the liturgy of the hours. They were uh, praying the litany of litanies of the saints and the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So they were practicing their Catholic faith so fully while they were being imprisoned because it was against the law to practice their Catholic faith. They were just a, a, a given a, quite a bit of freedom. Uh, Catholics in the uh, in Wales or in the neighborhood where he, where he was captured and, and held came to him for counsel and and confession protestant ministers came to debate with him so they a strange way while they were in prison they were very free to practice their faith so he organized a day where they would begin first thing in the morning at 4 a.m with some meditation and then they had mass uh they uh sang the uh o sacrum convivium chanted it uh had time for reading and prayers he counseled them he gave them instruction uh they read the the imitation of christ they prayed the rosary the litany of the blessed virgin mary the litany of the saints every day they went to confession twice a week and wow, wow, there's wow. a point that that makes that they uh received holy communion every sunday which was kind of unusual in that time sometimes laity did not receive holy communion but they were sem- basically preparing the sem- seminary so yes a very detailed orarium for uh, young men in prison. Yeah, I was going to say, how how is it that we know all of this? It's because um, these young men who were with him actually survived, correct? Yes, he was con- he was condemned to death. They were condemned to uh, imprisonment for life. They basically trying to make sure they didn't go to mm-hmm. Spain to study. But uh, at least one of them we know escaped and reached Spain, went to the bishop there, and explained all this detail to him. And And that bishop documented it in his own book about the uh, persecution. His name was uh, Bishop Yepes, and he wrote it about it in his history, Historia Particular de la 
persecution on Anglaterra, which mm. I think is more French than German uh, than Spanish. But anyway, <laughs> my pronunciation. But uh, yeah, so that's why we have this detail is that, that he was sentenced to death. And then Father uh, Bowden doesn't just disagree, but it's interesting. People in the neighborhood did not want him. They, they considered him to be a saint. Yeah. They did not want to see him executed. And yet he was condemned to death and finally executed. Yeah. But yes, I just think it's, one thing is remarkable is that these young men survived and that he had the, again, kind of just had that will with these martyrs just always impress me. And I think they do you and everyone who reads about them that knowing you're, you're condemned to death or knowing that you're likely going to be condemned to death, yet you spend the last six months of your life in prayer and praise and the sacraments and, and with the hope that you're preparing four young men for the priesthood to come back and do exactly what you've been doing. It's incredible. That, it's incredible. that just, just magnificent. Yeah. And as you have been doing throughout this series on Father Bowden's mementos, you've been doing extra digging to get more information yes. uh -huh. about these martyrs and confessors. So I've been trying to practice. Tell us okay. about Edric's Christiana Ghoul. This is a book that he wrote. It's uh, the English translation, which I'll use, is <laughs> The Christian Mirror. And it's a, a book that he wrote in Welsh and was printed in Wales in a secret uh, printing press. There's only four copies of it uh, available uh, left, but it just shows, again, it, and this was before he was arrested, but the great work that these missionaries did. So he was trying to, for the Welsh people, those Catholics who were remaining true, give them a resource for prayer and meditation in his own words, the Christian mirror. Blessed William Davies. Pray for us. Pray for us. Go read more about him over at Stephanie's excellent blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, and go pick up a copy of Father Bowden's Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors. It's just been reprinted by Sophia Institute Press. Stephanie, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. You too, Stephanie. Thanks. You can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Thomas More Society is suing on behalf of a national network of pro-life pregnancy centers after the governor of Illinois signed into law a bill targeting pregnancy centers. The so-called Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act bans pregnancy centers from using what is described as misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to interfere with access to abortion services or emergency contraception. Peter Breen of the Thomas More Society said in a statement, quote, pregnancy help ministries provide real options and assistance to women and families in need, but instead of the praise they deserve, pro-abortion politicians are targeting these ministries with $50,000 fines and injunctions solely because of their pro-life viewpoint, end quote. This month is on pace to become the hottest month on record. More from Mark Mayfield. That's according to new data from the Earth Observation Unit of the European Union Space Program and the World Meteorological Organization. The organization said the first three weeks of July have already set the record for the hottest three-week period. July 6th set the mark for the hottest day on record. This comes after June broke the record for the hottest June ever. Much of the U.S. has been hit by heat waves, along with Asia and Europe. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. Meanwhile, extreme heat is intensifying in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. About 150 million Americans across the nation are at risk of a heat health emergency. Intense heat has spread along the highly populated I-95 corridor. It's also doubling down in the south where emergency rooms are receiving heat-related burn victims and even animals suffering heat illnesses. Heat indices are expected to exceed 100 degrees across many parts of the country. The vicar of the Diocese of Odessa in the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has told Russian Patriarch Kirill, quote, a missile you blessed hit the altar. Yahoo News reports Archbishop Victor of Artists was referring to a bombing last week in Odessa that damaged the Transfiguration Cathedral. He said in a letter to Patriarch Kirill, quote, I saw that a Russian missile blessed by you had directly struck the altar of the church in the Holy of Holies. And I realized that the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has long had nothing in common with your understanding. He said, we do not dare call you great Lord and Father because you are a father who has sacrificed his children to destruction and murder, end quote. Pope Francis has sent a message to young people participating in the Medjugorje International Youth Festival. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. God has a plan of love for each of you, said the Pope. Do not be afraid of his will, but place all your trust in his grace. He expressed his hope that their time spent in Eucharistic adoration and confession at the Medjugorje Festival would help them to see that God's will is not something to be feared, but rather something to be embraced. God's will is a priceless treasure, he said. Pope Francis went on to reflect on the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, highlighting how she did the will of God despite hardships. She became a disciple and mother of her son the moment she accepted the angel's words, he said. From then on, her whole life was a continuous response to God's will. The Pope noted that we sometimes struggle to understand God's will, especially in difficult moments. There is no better will for us than the Father's will, he said, which is his plan of love for us with a view to his kingdom and our full happiness. God, added Pope Francis, loves us unconditionally and knows the very depths of our hearts and desires. The Pope urged young people at the Medjugorje Youth Festival to offer God their unconditional yes in response to his love, especially in the zeal of their youth. Let there be no place in your life for selfishness or laziness, he urged. Take advantage of your youth to lay the foundations of your existence together with the Lord, because your personal, professional, and social future will depend on the choices you make during these years. Pope Francis concluded his message by encouraging young people to be enthusiastic missionaries of the new evangelization. If you let God's grace work in you, and if you are generous and persevering in your daily commitment, he said, you will make this world a better place for all. I'm Devin Watkins. The new Pew Research Center survey has revealed half of Americans see China as the largest threat to the U.S. economy and to national security. That's the news. It's 35 past the... Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. 
When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Let us always bless the feet of the Savior and say to him, My heart, O Lord, protests my fidelity, and my eyes seek your face. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus Christ to contemplate him, our whole heart intent on nothing less than to please him without limits. Be as far as possible, even-tempered, and so indicate your stable resolution to love God unreservedly. God wants to see us faithful in the small matters that he entrusts to us. This is far superior to our burning desire to do big things, which seldom come our way. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Sunrise Morning Show legal, political, and sometimes cultural analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph, and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you. And so you read the book and then went to see Oppenheimer in theaters. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer, of course, known as the father of the atomic bomb. So I want to start off with this. What has the church had to say about the development and use of nuclear weapons? Well, uh, the Church has spoken with a very clear and consistent voice throughout uh, the the decades since the bomb was developed and has been produced. The most clear uh, and sort of the default place to look is Pachamanteris, Pope St. John XXIII's 1963 encyclical, uh, in which the the Pope defined peace in in a very traditional Christian way, not merely the absence of conflict, but the presence of tranquility. And because there is no possibility of of true tranquility in the world when nuclear weapons exist, which have the capacity to wipe out entire populations, then we can't really say that there's peace on earth. And therefore, John the 23rd and all of the popes uh, in unison after him uh, have called for the abolition of nuclear weapons uh, for the sake of peace. Not, not again, for the sake of preserving the earth in case they're used, but for the sake of peace, because their very presence, the very presence of nuclear weapons uh, is the absence of peace, and therefore there cannot be peace while they exist. And that's been the, that's been the consistent uh, and unanimous voice of the teaching mag- magisterium uh, since the development of the bomb. 
And that's not just a quote unquote religious opinion, right? I mean, this is rooted in in natural law and basic human dignity, I would say, um, because there might be some who say, well, Oppenheimer was like an agnostic Jew or something like that. I mean, then and would would imply by saying that 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 this kind of viewpoint shouldn't be imposed on someone like him who's not Catholic. That, that's right. It, it is it is a, a view that's held by a broad spectrum of people, not just Christians or Catholic Christians. On the other hand, Annie, there are those who uh, who take the opposite position that, well, what has pre- prevented nuclear war is precisely the ability of, of so many nations to be able to destroy one another. And, and that that's part of a doctrine that developed in the 1970s and 80s called mutually assured destruction. And that's the doctrine that says you build up strong uh, stockpiles as a deterrent against others, and therefore peace is actually secured. And, and both in the book and in the movie, arguments like that are portrayed not by Oppenheimer himself, who was not a proponent of mutually assured destruction, uh, but by others. And, and it's, it's a position that's still held today. But by and large, you're correct. Uh, most, I would say that the majority of people from across the uh, spectrum, philosophical and religious spectrum, agree in principle with, uh, with the, the Catholic tradition that says that the very existence of uh, nuclear weapons, which are far, far, far more powerful, by the way, than the weapons that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, is an affront to human dignity. And, and therefore, uh, there's no true peace in the presence of these monstrous weapons. So do you get the sense in the movie or or in the book that he and his team ever stop to think about, I mean, regardless of whether you can do this, should you do this? Yeah. And, and one of, one of the, the nice things about both the book and the movie is that it's it portrays that in Oppenheimer's own conflicted mind. Now, I want to be clear about a couple of things as, as clear as we can in the short time we have. Uh, Oppenheimer indeed was a, a proponent of the development of the device, or as he called it, the gadget. And he insisted that his team <laughs> refer to it the as the gadget. gadget. Wow! But he began, but he began to have qualms as it developed, and so did his team. And that's portrayed in the film when, uh, when the team of scientists at Los Alamos, some senior scientists, get together and discuss the ramifications of what they're doing, and and thinking about the the morality of it. And what this really tells us, Annie, is that scientists. When scientists lose the vision of the proper and true good and and what human moral life is about and human moral agency and just do things because they can do them, then we, we, we have a situation which the technology outruns the morality. And that's exactly what Oppenheimer, both the book and the movie portray, is that the technology outran the morality and the morality found itself trying to catch up. And that that really was Oppenheimer's life after the bomb. He had uh, he was instrumental in developing it. Uh, he headed up the Manhattan Project, which was the project that developed the uh, the first uh, uh, atomic bombs. And then he spent the rest of his career uh, really regretting what he had done and trying to get people to realize what an awful thing had happened and how to at least, if not eliminate uh, nuclear weapons, at least to limit their use, limit their scope, and limit their size. Because Oppenheimer never really uh, advocated for the abolition of atomic weapons. I think he believed that that was impossible. But he advocated for constraints on their size and the ability of them to cause harm uh, if they were ever used in in a war. And so he he actually advocated something like tactical uh, nuclear weapons that had much smaller targets than the giant weapons that were created after him. him. And of course, he also opposed the hydrogen bomb, the so-called super bomb, 
which is many, many magnitudes stronger, again, than the atomic bomb that was developed uh, at Los Alamos uh, in the 1940s. Did he ever apologize? Um, it's That's a complicated question, Annie. I don't think that he ever apologized for being a scientist and following the science. He was a physicist, and phys you know, scientists do what scientists do. Uh, I think that he, he did deeply regret what happened. Uh, one time he met with Harry Truman, and this is documented both in the book and it's done very well in the film, in which he came very close, at least in the account that's uh, given, to apologizing by expressing his regret over the uh, massive civilian uh, casualties in Japan. And uh, Harry Truman, as portrayed in the book, said, the people in Japan don't care who made the bomb, they only care who dropped it, and that was me. Truman had a very callous uh, uh, um, way of, of presenting this, and he had a very callous attitude toward Oppenheimer, telling his aides not to bring this crybaby into my office anymore. And that really severed his relationship with Oppenheimer going forward. Wow. So I don't know that Oppenheimer ever formally apologized, but he certainly spent the rest of his time expressing intense regret for what had happened, and without any question, intense regret for the massive civilian casualties in Japan, which violates, uh, which violates every canon of just war. So what are your thoughts in the end, Ken? Well, I, 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 the movie was, was uh, the, the book was very, very good, extremely well researched. And of course, there's much more detail about his life in the book than there can be in a movie, even a three hour movie. <laughs> I thought the movie was really, very good because it did a good job of showing the frenetic pace of building the bomb. They were under severe time constraints to try to beat the Nazis. Uh, but it also shows in the way that the film is constructed, it shows the conflicting mind of Oppenheimer and some, some of his team. And it also shows the way that he was pulled in different directions by the American uh, military and, and by uh, ethicists. And of course, thrown into all of that is, a, is, is, it's not a side story, but it's really a side story to what we're talking about this morning, was his relationship with the, with the Communist Party and the Red Scare McCarthyism. So the, the movie, uh, Stephen Gray Donis will do, do, a, do a better job of <laughs> reviewing the movie. I thought the movie was terrific, and I thought it did a very good job of expressing the, the moral quandaries and the moral uh, um, tension uh, and the anxiety that was caused by building the bomb uh, outside of a moral framework uh, in which it could be properly used. And of course, once again, it was used in a way that cannot be justified uh, because it violates the just war principle of targeting civilian uh, targets. And, and of course, the, the vast majority of victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were civilians, not military targets. Yeah. I have so many more questions, but we're going to have to leave it there in the interest of time. And yes, Stephen Gray Donis will be reviewing this, although he told me he's still trying to like get his thoughts together on just what he thinks of, of this movie. But we will uh, we'll get him on to talk about it, too. In the meantime, uh, Ken Craycraft's thoughts are over at Our Sunday Visitor. Really interesting piece he wrote there. Our Sunday Visitor. Dot com. Ken, thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right. It's 14 till. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and 
put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. You can even make a donation. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. It's 12 till here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. The Thomas More Society is suing on behalf of a national network of pro-life pregnancy centers after the governor of Illinois signed into law a bill targeting pregnancy centers. The Holy See Press Office has presented the itinerary for the Pope's upcoming visit for World Youth Day in Portugal. And this month is now on pace to become the hottest month on record. Next newscast in about 13 minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on EWTN. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we're going to be looking at the readings for Mass on Sunday, the 17th Sunday in ordinary time. And I want to start with the first reading today, a famous story from the first book of Kings, chapter three, in which we hear the Lord say to Solomon in a dream, ask something of me and I will give it to you. And Solomon asks for wisdom. My first question is, Father, what is wisdom? That's a, that's, a, that's a great question, Annie. You know, most of us read a text like this, and we remember the story from our childhood. We, we rarely stop and ask ourselves these fundamental questions about the Scriptures, about what, what the meaning of these things are. And unfortunately today, we've lost our philosophical patrimony that would allow a Catholic to answer that question very easily. Wisdom is the knowledge of the causes of things. And when we mean the knowledge of the causes of things, that's a the fancy way of saying knowing where a thing came from and where it's going, what created it, when what its purpose is. So we talk about we're, we're looking at the thing and realizing its place within the whole created order and what its purpose is in relationship to the plan of God. Uh, and this is so important, Annie, because it, it tells us to slow down, stop, and to look around you. And, uh, and, and for all those things we take for granted, all those times we become frustrated in our life that things aren't working out the way we want them to and so forth, we need to slow down. There's that old saying, you know, stop and smell the roses. <laughs> that's, 
that's that, that's the fundamental thing. Slow down and start to appreciate the gift of the things around you and why God has placed uh, all of this created order around you and why you're placed there and what is the purpose for your life. Of course, here with Solomon, he prays for wisdom, which is the gift of the presence of God within him. Ultimately, to have knowledge of the causes of things is to see things, to realize things, to come alive in regards to the whole world. And therefore, wisdom in the Old Testament is certainly understood in terms of the grace of God, the Word of God coming to dwell within Solomon, to direct his life, to realize the gift which his life is, and what, what the purpose of his life is. And so if we take that into mind with our own lives and then go to listen to or read the gospel for Mass on Sunday from Matthew chapter 13, if we're seeing things through God's eyes, then we can understand better what a gift the kingdom of heaven is. Yeah, you know, just as a bridge to get there, look at this responsorial psalm, Annie. Lord, I love your commands. That's right. The command of God is not something outside of us, or at least it's not supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be something loved that is coming from within us, something that, pour, that pours out from us and directs our lives. And then you're right. You, we can take a look with that, having opened our, our, our heart to this gift of God's way of life as my way of life. Lord, I love your command, as Solomon did. Then we can, we certainly, we can look at this gospel and, and, and allow Jesus to teach us to conform our life to it. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven. And we continue that theme this week uh, of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 13, as we heard last week, this time regarding especially the pearl of great price. Huh? Mm-hmm. If, if one realizes the, the, uh, what is around him, uh, God's plan for him, he will, it is a life-changing realization. If God's word comes to dwell within us, it's a life-changing thing. And we will, yes, we will sell all, and then we will put as a priority first the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, we, I, we spoke about this last week, Annie, regarding this kingdom of heaven business, because most people think kingdom of heaven, we think about, you know, up in the clouds. But Saint Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom of heaven is, as Solomon yeah. prayed, yeah, and within us. Mm-hmm. Huh? The, the, a kingdom is, is that which the, which the king sets in order. Huh? And we pray that the Lord comes to dwell within us to set us in order. The kingdom of God is made present within us, is that, as uh, St. Peter says, we are living stones being built up into the temple of God, right? We are being built up into that kingdom in which all of us, related one to the other through our baptism into Christ, now form the dwelling place of the king. Uh, and, and if one realizes where his life has come from as a gift from God, what its purpose is, then one would give their life this kingdom, not something far off and distant from us, not something which is to come in the future, but one which he sells everything now to give his life for this purpose of of his relationship with God. Well, let's go back to the the responsorial psalm here, Psalm 119. I mean, Father, how many of us could, could say this honestly from our hearts? I mean, this is something that we need to reflect on. The law of your mouth is to me more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. There it is, Annie. That's beautiful. I'm glad you went back to this text because this is is a major challenge to us, as is the gospel. Have we sold all 
and made the kingdom of heaven, that is the presence of God in my life, the sole priority of my life? Or am I still kind of cut in two, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, okay, I'm a Catholic. Jesus is important to me. But you know what? My 401k, my my home, my all, my Ferrari, you know, like whatever right. it is, my car. Um, you know, these are the things I really want in life. And then to reprioritize and what is to make what is most important actually what is most important. And the law of your mouth to, is to me more precious thousands of gold and silver pieces, and I can't say that, then stop and don't say it, and, and meditate upon our life. Mm-hmm. But this is why the response to our psalm is given to us, that I can open my heart to this truth. Lord, I love your command. I have said, O oh Lord, that my part is to keep your word. The law of your mouth is more precious to me than, than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Open your heart to that, my friend. Uh, this Sunday as we hear this and, and make that response to Psalm your own. That's the purpose of it. To pray this prayer of Solomon and then to say, you know what? All these things are important to me in life. Those are good, but those are all good in my life to the extent that the most important good of all is in place. And let us put that in place again, and that is the presence of the Word of God in my life to direct all of my actions. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And, Father, if listeners want to check out all the resources over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, where do they find them? Instituteofcatholicculture.org, www.instituteofcatholicculture.org. Come on over and visit us. And you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got a course on the cardinal virtues coming up with Dr. John Cutterback. S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. We got another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN. We're continuing our way on this Friday, July the 28th here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's begin this hour with the responsorial psalm for Mass today from Psalm 19. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, all of them just. They are more precious than gold, than a heap of purest gold, sweeter also than syrup or honey from the comb. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 2 of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell. I'm sitting in the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm looking at Paul Lockman sitting at the controls for us. Matt Swaim is off today. He is traveling this weekend, so say a prayer for his travels and hope to have him back 
all nice and refreshed from a little mini vacation on Monday morning. Up this hour, Dr. Brad Bursa joins us from Nazareth Revisited, and we're going to be talking about implementing family meetings and how those can contribute to family peace, which is what Nazareth Revisited is all about. Marlon De La Torre will join us from knowingisdoing.org. It's National Family Planning, Natu- National Natural Family Planning Awareness Week um, in conjunction with the anniversary of Humane Vitae earlier this week. And uh, he's going to talk about that. Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Uh, there is a movement gaining some traction to extend doctor-assisted suicide to people who have eating disorders. Bobby has thoughts. And then we'll wrap things up for the hour with Father Jonathan Duncan with his thoughts on the Sunday Mass readings coming up this weekend. Right now it's three minutes past and news is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Illinois is targeting pro-life pregnancy centers. Governor Pritzker signed the so-called Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act. The law bans pregnancy centers from using what is described as misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to interfere with access to abortion services or emergency contraception. The measure allows the Illinois Attorney General to investigate complaints against centers and strengthens the AG's office's power to prosecute what they deem to be consumer fraud. The Thomas More Society has filed a lawsuit on behalf of the National Pregnancy Health Network, NIFLA. Peter Breen said in a statement, quote, this law is a blatant attempt to chill and silence pro-life speech under the guise of consumer protection, end quote. The Holy See Press Office has presented the itinerary for the Pope's upcoming visit to Lisbon for the 2023 World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Matteo Bruni, the director of the Holy See Press Office, noted that this will be the 42nd international journey of Pope Francis's and his second one to Portugal after that of 2017 on the occasion of the centenary of Our Lady's apparitions. Matteo Bruni noted that over 330,000 young people have registered from over 200 countries and 20,000 volunteers have registered from 150 countries. More than 700 bishops and 20 cardinals will be at their service, guiding them in catechesis. Peace will certainly be at the centre of the prayers at this World Youth Day, said Matteo Bruni. When questioned by journalists, Bruni did not confirm, but neither did he exclude, that the Pope might meet with young Russians and Ukrainians. Also, when asked if a meeting with the victims of child sexual abuse would be planned, the Vatican spokesman responded by underlining France's well-known sensitivity and attention to these issues. If these meetings do take place, he said, they will also take place in a confidential manner to facilitate the healing process of the victims. If there should be a meeting, news will be given after it takes place, said Matteo Bruni. Pope Francis will speak in public 11 times, pronouncing nine speeches and two homilies. Only the first will be delivered in Italian, whilst the others will all be in Spanish. It is a language of the Pope, explained Matteo Bruni, the language through which he can reach the greatest number of people. Finally, Matteo Bruni noted that Portugal, Spain, France and Italy are the countries that the Pope will be flying over, and that as in previous apostolic journeys with the Pope on the plane, there will also be a Vatican employee, this time from the Secretariat of State.
I'm Francesca Merlo. The Secretary General of Caritas Internationales has concluded a two-day visit to Ukraine, saying long-term support is needed there. Alistair Dutton told Vatican News that now 18 months since the Russian invasion, unfortunately, war is becoming more structurally present. He said living in a time of war is becoming a matter of daily life for people in Ukraine. And so the nature of the assistance is starting to shift somewhat. He said, quote, we must help people think about rather than what they receive day in and day out, how to provide for their families how they can restart their work and earn an income and provide for their families themselves, end quote. The Justice Department is launching a civil rights investigation into claims the Memphis Police Department used excessive force against black residents. The probe announced yesterday comes seven months after the police beating death of Tyree Nichols, although Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark said it's not based on any one instance of misconduct. Former President Trump is accusing the Justice Department of abuse after more charges were filed against him in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. Brian Shook reports. Trump told Fox News Digital Thursday that this is what you get for leading the polls for the White House in 2024, calling the charges ridiculous. Special counsel Jack Smith is adding one defendant to the prior indictment against Trump and aide Walt Nauta, along with an additional charge of willful retention and two new obstruction counts. Trump and Nada have already both pleaded not guilty to federal charges related to the documents. I'm Brian Shook. And a California restaurant has been ordered to pay 35 employees $140,000 after bringing in a quote-unquote fake priest to solicit confessions. According to a U.S. Department of Labor news release, the Taquiera Garibaldi Mexican restaurant in Sacramento brought in a, quote, supposed priest to hear their workplace sins in a plot to learn who filed complaints about the restaurant. Employees had reported that a manager made false claims and an investigation by the Department of Labor would raise immigration issues, according to the release. In the release, the department called the employer's actions despicable. The $140,000 will go towards back wages and damages. Despicable indeed. Today is Friday, July the 28th. It is the feast of Blessed Stanley Rother, an American blessed. Pray for us. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Brad Bursa co-founder of NazarethRevisited.com. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. It's good to have you back. And we are going to be discussing implementing weekly family meetings. First of all, can you just give us sort of the history of how this came about in the Bursa family? Yes, I'd be happy to. So, you know, when my wife Katie and I got married, we started having children when the kids are young, we kind of, Katie and I dictated the schedule for the week, and our kids weren't old enough to be involved in too many extracurriculars or things like that. Then we hit this point where we've got multiple kids in school. They're starting to have social lives of their own. They're starting to play sports, and we're kind of like caught up in this machine of 
going really fast through the week with all these activities and with school and then flying right into the weekend with more activities and events and games and things. And all, all of a sudden it's Monday and we're starting over. Um, and so we, we felt like we had no point where we were like pausing to, to get a grip on things. It was just kind of spinning out of control. Is, is this a problem? <laughs> The feeling of anxiety in my life made yeah. it made it clear that it was a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I say that tongue in cheek because this is the situation that so many families find themselves in and, and they don't take that breath and and think about what could be potentially problematic. But before you know it, your family could just be growing apart. Is that right? That's right. I mean, I think in moments like that, what my wife, I think she really named it well. She's like, everyone's just fending for themselves. And we so often feel like we're slaves to our circumstances. And I, I think a, a lot of times about God's first command uh, to man and woman, which is to take dominion. And uh, I think just pausing for a family meeting was a great opportunity for us to take some dominion over this crazy schedule, you know, trying to keep up with with all the expectations and demands in this culture is so hard. Um, so to just take stock of things and to get everyone looking together at the week ahead uh, was tremendously helpful. Yeah, and you write about this over at your blog at NazarethRevisited.com. Um, can you tell us about the inspiration that that led to the first family meeting in your house? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny how different parts of our lives speak to other parts. So I was at the Amazing Parish Conference with Patrick Lencioni, who's a business consultant, and he's talking about, you know, how to get parish staffs meeting well and and talking well uh, about this mission that they have. And I'm sitting there like, man, I need this in my family. And then I, I realized that uh, Patrick Lencioni has a book for families. It's called The Three Big Questions for Families. And that book was really helpful in my wife and I kind of wrapping our head around our growing family and these growing demands and also implementing this weekly meeting. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense when you think about the family being the domestic church. And so, you know, these these sort of principles that you can have to running a parish could could certainly uh, be transitioned into uh, how to run a family in in some ways. So what does a family meeting consist of, Brad? Can you give us the agenda? Well, I can give you our agenda. I'm sure that each family is going to kind of finesse this uh, to their own needs. But we do this on Sunday evenings. Uh, it's our point of just collecting ourselves before the, the week begins uh, with all the activities on Monday. And we try to make these brief because we have now we have a teenager all the way down to a seven-month-old. Um, so things get crazy if it goes too long. And I give the weather report, and I try to act like a meteorologist um, because I was wanting to be one. No, I'm just kidding. But it is kind of fun to give the weather report so that the kids have a sense of what's coming up. And then we just talk through each day. You know, how are the kids getting to school? Uh, what activities are going on after school? Who's going where? And we run that as quick as we can. And that just gives everyone a big picture of the week. And then each day of the week, then we have something that we're pointing back to. You know, it's Tuesday. Okay, remember, you're going here, you're going there. 
Um, and then we end by praying together. Uh, we pray each night, uh, and then on Sundays, uh, in addition to our normal prayer, we, we say uh, a prayer that's an act of consecration to the Holy Family. And so that's a nice way to, to kind of end the meeting and then to send us together uh, into the week. All right, so you talk about how you need to have all of the kids involved in this. How do the littlest of kids get involved? Usually they get involved by running around and oh, nice. being chaotic. Just um, to give you so the sense of the chaos that you it, You can feel, exactly, exactly. Sure. Um, I mean, we do our best to keep people at bay. Um, for a time, we were doing this with, with a treat, you know, so we would have dessert. Nice while we were doing the meeting, and then we realized that that was not the right solution because getting them sugar, sugar was unhelpful. <laughs> so now sometimes we'll get the little kids going on just coloring um, or something like that, or we'll give, we'll give our three-year-old son some trucks and try to get him to line those up on the, on the floor while we're talking. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think this is why you just, as the parents, you have to go in with an agenda and move sure. through it quickly, uh, that helps a ton. We've been talking to Dr. Brad Bursa, and if you'd like to read more about having a weekly family meeting, you can check out the blog over at NazarethRevisited.com and find it there, Nazareth Revisited, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Brad, thank you so much. Thank you. Always happy to have you. All right. It is a quarter past. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. There's a pair of cold fronts that will be bringing rain showers and thunderstorms to the northern Rockies and Plains, the upper Mississippi Valley, the Great Lakes, Midwest, and Mid-Atlantic. A few showers and thunderstorms are possible across interior New England as well. Heavy downpours will be a possibility, especially in the lower Great Lakes and the Midwest. Rain and thunderstorms will be soaking Florida and the coast of Georgia and Carolinas today. Isolated to scattered showers and thunderstorms will be developing in the Four Corners region this afternoon and evening. Otherwise, dry weather, dry weather is prevailing for most places west of the Rockies, as well as the central and southern plains, the lower Mississippi Valley, and the deep south as well. And of course, it's hot basically everywhere so there's that i believe here in cincinnati we're getting the hottest day of the year today so far anyway we'll see if it continues on but anyway 16 past now on the sunrise morning show we're back with headlines right after this lord teach me to pray the ignatian prayer series can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the ignatian way of prayer to your parish Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. 
Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Coming up on 19 Past here on the Sunrise Morning Show, let's take a look at headlines. The Thomas More Society is suing on behalf of a national network of pro-life pregnancy centers after the governor of Illinois signed into law a bill targeting pregnancy centers. The vicar of the Diocese of Odessa of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has told Russian Patriarch Kirill that a, bless- a missile he blessed hit the altar. And the Holy See Press Office has presented the itinerary for the Pope's upcoming visit next week to Lisbon for World Youth Day. Next newscast coming up at the bottom of the hour here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the feast of Blessed Stanley Rother, who is the uh, first martyr from the United States, officially recognized martyr from the United States, First U.S.-born priest to be beatified. He's from Oklahoma, studied at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland, served as a priest in Oklahoma for about five years before receiving permission to, um, to serve at a mission in Guatemala where there was extreme poverty and a civil war raging at the time, this being in the 1960s. And the Catholic Church right there in the middle of it because people like Father Stanley wanted to continue catechizing and educating these people in desperate need of the gospel. Um, He got sent home to Oklahoma for a time for his safety, but said a shepherd cannot leave his flock, went back, was eventually martyred for the faith. Blessed Stanley Rother, pray for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I am Dominican Father Paul Keller, Please pray with me the prayer to St. Anthony. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. O holy St. Anthony, gentlest of saints, your love for God and charity for his creatures made you worthy, when on earth, to possess miraculous powers. Miracles waited on your word, which you were ever ready to speak for those in trouble or anxiety. Encouraged by this thought, I implore of you to obtain for me this request. The answer to my prayer may require a miracle. Even so, you are the saint of miracles. O gentle and loving Saint Anthony, whose heart was ever full of human sympathy, whisper my petition into the ears of the sweet infant Jesus, who loved to be folded in your arms, and the gratitude of my heart will ever be yours. Amen. Dr. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Director of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good, good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So it's Natural Family Planning Awareness Week mm. in the U.S. Church. And I want to get the basics with you first because I don't want to take anything for granted. Sure, sure. What is the purpose of natural family planning? All right. So from, from a basic construct, uh, natural family planning really is to assist the couple to space out uh, the opportunity, the, the always open opportunity to have children. And that natural family planning provides the couple the opportunity to <clears throat> really look at their situation in life, look at their current structure and determine, all right, when would be the best time to, to have a child? Not from a contraceptive mentality and not from a mentality where they don't love children. It's because of factors in, in their family or situations where this would be probably the, the best time to abstain uh, from sex, to abstain from the opportunity to have a child this time uh, for various reasons, whether it be uh, emotional, psychological, financial, things of that nature that somehow could weigh or be a detriment to the couple and uh, may really cause a hardship. And and that's a general way of looking <clears throat> at natural family planning in and of itself. But really, it's it's the gift of openness of life always. But at this particular time, they like to refrain from conceiving um, for a particular reason. Okay. Now, the church does not make up rules simply to make up rules, and neither does God. Correct. So why is the rule against the use of birth control, meaning mm-hmm. like the pill or, or mm-hmm. other methods of contraception, why is that rule against birth control fitting for man and mm-hmm. w- woman who are made in the image and after the likeness of God? Great. That's a fantastic question. When when you look at the concept of, of natural family planning, and this really stemming from uh, the church's uh, beautiful concept of man and woman and procreation and the love for one another, uh, this regulation or cycle 
right, of birth, really is meant to help the couple understand, one, uh, they're a child of God. Two, the openness to life will always exist. Three, there are certain times where, you know what, um, we may want to refrain from having a child, not because of the specific fact that we have a contraceptive mentality, but because of a situation that may occur, whether it be physical, emotional, psychological. The church offers that as part of the human condition, where there could be a factor that may cause a hardship on the couple, not because of anything else other than all right, the couple struggling, and the church understands in a merciful way that there may be time not to have a child. And so we want to be cognizant of that, and the church realizes that. Pope Paul VI uh, in Humana Vitae really understood the, the premise of man and woman, and he based that not just on the biblical understanding of Genesis or the understanding of our Lord blessing the marriage covenant, whether it be in St. John's Gospel with Feast of Cana or the explanation of the whole narrative of divorce and remarriage with Moses to the Sanhedrin. Uh, there's more to it than just that. It's an understanding of the mercy uh, that's due to us as children of God. And that if we really decide uh, to live that covenantal marriage, there are certain times where this could be refrained, uh, not for anything else other than for of the mercy of the couple and the situation they're in. So the church is very well aware of that. And, and that's one of the beautiful things of NFP. At the same time, it's one of the most misunderstood aspects of NFP. Yeah, I was going to say, because I mean, let's just let's just yeah. call it out here, because of I mean, course. this is not using birth control. But there are those mm. who say this is just a Catholic workaround. I mean, there are plenty of people mm. who think of that course. this is just simply they call it Catholic birth control. Oh, absolutely. And and from a surface level, rightfully so. Um, I've encountered many couples who have used the, the aspect of NFP in whatever method uh, is available to them to uh, intentionally not have children. They, they say, well, you know what, this is a way where I don't fall into mortal sin. Hey, I found a, a nice scapegoat here in this particular method of natural family planning. And when I've encountered those couples, I, I tell them, like, look, the whole premise is not for you to have unlimited sex. The whole premise is for you to understand your spouse, to understand that there could be a serious situation where having a child at this time may cause it to harm emotionally, psychologically, or there could be a burden that you're not aware of or something that you have not worked out with your spouse that bringing another child in at this particular point in time all right, may, may be somewhat harmful. Uh, in the situation. Now, that also sounds like, well, it's, it sounds no different than, than contracepting, than so basically being able to use any type of uh, element to do that as well. But the, the, the distinction is you're always open to life, meaning that even if practicing NFP, uh, you could conceive. And my wife and I are examples of that when we conceived our youngest, Gianna. Um, we never thought we'd have another child practicing NFP, and she came as a blessing, not because we did not want to have a child. We always wanted to have children. But uh, understanding the physiology of of man and woman and what can happen. NFP really allows that to grow and mature. Uh, it's part of the gift. I love that you named her Gianna. Beautiful. Of course, being open to life is is how we live in the image and after the likeness of God, who in his mm -hmm. nature is life-giving. We are called Absolutely. to live out that likeness of God in which he made us. And you can read more about this. He's got a, a very thorough post over at knowingisdoing.org, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks.
You can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, download the Sunrise Morning Show app, Sacred Heart Radio app. It's named after the station in which we reside here in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can listen to all three hours of the Sunrise Morning Show, as well as all of the rest of the great Catholic radio programming you get on a daily basis. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Thomas More Society is suing on behalf of a national network of pro-life pregnancy centers after the governor of Illinois signed into law a bill that targets pregnancy centers. The so-called Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act bans pregnancy centers from using what is described as misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to interfere with access to abortion services or emergency contraception. Peter Breen of the Thomas More Society said in a statement, quote, pregnancy help ministries provide real options and assistance to women and families in need, but instead of the praise they deserve, pro-abortion politicians are targeting these ministries with $50,000 fines and injunctions solely because of their pro-life viewpoint. End quote. This month is on pace to become the hottest month on record. Details from Mark Mayfield. That's according to new data from the Earth Observation Unit of the European Union Space Program and the World Meteorological Organization. The organization said the first three weeks of July have already set the record for the hottest three-week period. July 6th set the mark for the hottest day on record. This comes after June broke the record for the hottest June ever. Much of the U.S. has been hit by heat waves along with Asia and Europe. I'm Mark Mayfield. The vicar of the Diocese of Odessa of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has told Russian Patriarch Kirill, quote, a missile you blessed hit the altar. Yahoo News reports that Archbishop Victor of Artses was referring to a bombing last week in Odessa that damaged the Transfiguration Cathedral. He said in a letter to Patriarch Kirill, quote, I saw that a Russian missile blessed by you had directly struck the altar of the church in the Holy of Holies. I realize that the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has long had nothing in common with your understanding. He said, we do not dare call you great Lord and Father because you are a father who has sacrificed his children to the to destruction and murder, end quote. A hearing is set to resume today in Michigan as prosecutors push for a school shooter to get life in prison. The teenager pleaded guilty last year to all charges in the killing of four students at Oxford High School in 2021. He was 15 years old at the time and can only be and can only be sentenced to life in prison without parole at the discretion of a judge. Pope Francis has sent a message to young people participating in the Medjugorje International Youth Festival, encouraging them to trust in God and to respond positively to his grace. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. God has a plan of love for each of you, said the Pope. Do not be afraid of his will, but place all your trust in his grace. He expressed his hope that their time spent in Eucharistic adoration and confession at the Medjugorje Festival would help them to see that God's will is not something to be feared, but rather something to be embraced. God's will is a priceless treasure, he said. Pope Francis went on to reflect on the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, highlighting how she did the will of God despite hardships. 
She became a disciple and mother of her son the moment she accepted the angel's words, he said. From then on, her whole life was a continuous response to God's will. The Pope noted that we sometimes struggle to understand God's will, especially in difficult moments. There is no better will for us than the Father's will, he said, which is his plan of love for us with a view to his kingdom and our full happiness. God, added Pope Francis, loves us unconditionally and knows the very depths of our hearts and desires. The Pope urged young people at the Medjugorje Youth Festival to offer God their unconditional yes in response to his love, especially in the zeal of their youth. Let there be no place in your life for selfishness or laziness, he urged. Take advantage of your youth to lay the foundations of your existence together with the Lord, because your personal, professional, and social future will depend on the choices you make during these years. Pope Francis concluded his message by encouraging young people to be enthusiastic missionaries of the new evangelization. If you let God's grace work in you, and if you are generous and persevering in your daily commitment, he said, you will make this world a better place for all. I'm Devin Watkins. And AAA reporting gas prices are currently at an eight-month high. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is contrition or sorrow for sin? Contrition or sorrow for sin is a hatred of sin and a true grief of the soul for having offended God with a firm purpose of sinning no more. It's true. We have to hate. It's a command of God that we hate. Not other people, but that we hate sin. God himself says, I loathe sin, says the Lord. And so, in order to truly have contrition, well, we must hate the deed that we have done and the disorder that it created in our souls that separates us from God, our neighbors, and even ourselves. But not only should we hate sin, we should also have a firm purpose of amendment meaning my will is strong and I have decided with God's grace that I will never do this again. I hate sin. I love virtue. Oh God, with your help, I can keep this faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy to have you along with us. Bobby Schindler with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Annie. 
So apparently there's a growing movement now to make doctor-assisted suicide available to people who have eating disorders. Is that right? That, that's right. It, 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 uh, there was an article that was published in the Daily Mail, Annie, uh, just this past July 28th, of a Denver doctor, Jennifer Gaudini, uh, Gaudiani, I believe, and she specializes in eating disorders at her Denver clinic and says that she believes that uh, there's certain patients who have anorexia, eating disorders, should be, uh, could qualify to be recommended, she believes should be recommended, give the recommendation for lethal doses uh, of meds to commit suicide. In fact, she recommended to uh, have her patients who evidently, it wasn't quite clear, Annie, uh, but they, she, in the article, it said that uh, assisted suicide was legal where these patients lived, and she recommended uh, assisted suicide for these patients. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's moving from terminal illness, uh, Annie, which is uh, the, the premise or the basis of how these laws are passed in the states, and now they want to expand it to. Uh, to kill people who have mental health conditions. Eating disorder uh, here is just one of example. I don't know. If, I believe we talked about this last year and in, in 2022. Uh, Wesley wrote an article about that. And the Journal of Eating Disorders actually published a piece, piece that was supporting and pushing just this, that patients should be afforded uh, assisted suicide option if they do have, in fact, if they are... Um, if they are dealing with eating disorders. All right. Can I just put this in very real terms of essentially what they're saying and then get your comments? Because I, I, I live at, I, I have a family. We, in our family, there have been um, issues with eating disorders in my, my extended family. So essentially you're going to somebody for help. You've come to the point where you realize that you need help. You go to them and they say, well, yes, basically you are fat and here's some medication to help you end your life because you're not going to get over this. And, you know, you're so depressed, you may as well just end your life because you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. So that is, I mean, that's from my perspective as, as somebody who has watched others with eating disorders um, that's essentially what I hear, Bobby. Well, that, this is what makes it so alarming, Annie. When, when you start passing laws that speak to mental anguish or suffering as a reason to kill someone, where, where does it end? And, and how do you define, put it, how do you get parameters or how do you set boundaries in these types of terms? You, you know, um, uh, Wesley says that, uh, allowing, in the same article that I'm referencing back in 2022, he said allowing assisted suicide for psychiatric illnesses would open the door wide open for medicalized killing. And he's absolutely right. But that's why it, it's so important that we have to be vigilant with these assisted suicide laws and how they basically lie to pass them and say, oh, we're going to have uh, very strict uh, guidelines, safeguards, where this it would never uh, affect any, any, any patient other than those who have a terminal disease and have six months or less to, to die. Well, that's just not true. I mean, we're already seeing there's been three states already in, in here that have existing 
assisted suicide laws that have expanded already, uh, one being Vermont, the other being Oregon, where they can now have uh, uh, people come in from out of states and, 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 uh, and have assisted suicide. Uh, they, they, can, they can prescribe assisted suicide for people out of states if they come in Oregon, Vermont. So it's already expanding. And, 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 and you see the dangers. And, 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 can, and we always point to Canada, too, Annie. And Canada is actually legalizing in tw- March of 2024. Uh, uh, the Canadians will now be allowed to um, to kill themselves. They'll use assisted suicide when the underlying condition is mental illness. So if it's happening in other countries, you could be rest assured that it's eventually going to creep into the United States if we just don't pay attention and stop these, these types of laws from happening and expanding in this country. Well, essentially you're looking at people with depression, right? I mean, we're going to start extending lethal drugs, doctors being forced to do this, extending lethal drugs to people who have depression. Well, yeah, I mean, again, where where does it stop? It's it's that quote that that I, I often refer to, and again, it's by our friend Wesley, and it says, once you... Uh, once, once you um, uh, use killing to, as an answer to suffering, where, where does it end? Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what's happening here. I mean, mental illness and all types of whatever you want to put under the umbrella of mental illness, if, you, if that's going to qualify for assisted suicide, uh, I mean, can, can you just imagine the, the scenarios uh, where, where people can go in and, and ask for lethal drugs, and, and it can even happen unbeknownst to family members, uh, with these types of uh, measures and laws that could eventually pass, Annie. And, and eating disorders, I think you know, some people might have some familiarity with eating disorders, and then it affects mostly young girls between mm-hmm. the ages of uh, 16 and 17, uh, I'm sorry, 16 and 19, uh, 13 and 19 years old. Uh, women are the ones that are most afflicted with these types of uh, disorders. So you start prescribing assisted suicide, I mean, I mean, you just can't talk enough about the dangers and just uh, what this would mean if this, if this something like this came to the United States. Well, I hate to take it to this point, but we often look at the slippery slope issue. I just mentioned depression, but just to hit a hot button issue, there are those uh, when they look at the issue objectively have pointed out a great number of similarities between eating disorders and gender dysphoria. So this idea that you see your body as an enemy, essentially. So what happens to our culture if we ever get to a point where people start pushing doctor-assisted suicide for those struggling with transgender issues? Um, will the culture wake up maybe because this is the, the hot topic of the day and realize what doctor-assisted suicide really is? Yeah, are we going to eliminate, Annie, the, the, the one thing? That's standing between someone's death, the, the life and death, and that's a dedicated psychiatrist or psychologist to help treat these individuals. We're, we're just exactly. going to push assisted suicide on them rather than try and treat whatever uh, depression or, or some type of mental health issues that they're having. I mean, it's, it's just unthinkable that, that we're even speaking about this being a possibility. Well, it's a reality in Canada. Uh, I mean, I, I think about Robin Williams, who was suffering from mental health issues and, and took his life. And, and we saw the, the country react to that and, and how upset and how we were asking, why wasn't he getting, getting help to prevent this from happening? Well, now we're going to open the door and we're going to allow it to people like, what, 
that, that have these types of mental health issues. We're just going to offer them assisted suicide rather than treatment. It's just um, it's unimaginable to me that, that we would even consider something like this. And what's so scary, too, is that I, I wonder how many people have who have contemplated suicide but didn't have, uh, well, I hate to use the word courage, but you know what I mean, like that, that, that ability to actually take their own life and um, can't bring themselves to do it to themselves. But if you hand that over to a third party, how many more people are going to die as a result of this? Oh, you're right, Annie. I mean, it just, as I said, it's just, it's hard to even imagine uh, allowing something like this. It's why the legislatures, we, we can't even allow, I mean, we have 10 states now that allow assisted suicide. They're on the books. We, we have to stop it, nip it in the bud, so to speak, and not even pass these laws because we know once they pass them, they're going to start trying to expand them. And, and it's already happening, and it's why we have to be vigilant, and we have to let these legislators do everything, you know, help them and, and, and educate them and, and let them know uh, the possibilities of what could happen and how it could impact uh, some of the most vulnerable, medically vulnerable uh, people in this country if we pass these types of laws. Yeah, and I believe that it is uh, St. Catherine of Siena who is the patron of those suffering with eating disorders. And so let's pray through her intercession today for all of those who struggle and, gosh, to just stop the tide here on doctor-assisted suicide for those struggling with, with mental health issues. We got the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bobby Schindler, thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. God bless you. You too, thanks. All right, Father Jonathan Duncan joins us next. Stay with us. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. 
It's 11 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Jonathan Duncan, a priest for the Diocese of Charleston, works in parish, campus, and hospital ministry, and you can follow him on Twitter at Father J. Duncan. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. So uh, looking ahead to uh, Sunday Mass, the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we've got Solomon asking for the gift of wisdom when God says that he'll give him anything he wants, that in the first book of Kings, chapter 3. Psalm 119, Lord, I love your commands. The second reading will be uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans. I think the third week in a row we've been in chapter 8. We know that all things work for good for those who love God. And then the gospel, Matthew chapter 13 the parable of the precious pearl, among others. So what's standing out to you, Father, as you contemplate your homily this weekend? You know, well, there's there's so much going on here. I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, I am drawn to uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. You know, I, I always love chapter 8 of, of the book of Romans, and we get, um, we get uh, several weeks to, to preach on Romans. I think there's something really beautiful. You know, we hear this line, we know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. I think we probably hear that a lot. And one way to understand that would be, um, you know, know, everything is going to go great, everything is going to be fine, everything is sort of almost like, you know, what some some Christians called sort of a prosperity gospel. You know, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good things are going to happen in my life. And yet, if we if we actually look at the passage, we see what is the purpose? Like, what is the good that God is seeking to work? And Paul tells us, so that we might be what? Conformed to the image of Jesus. All of this good is that we become Christ-shaped and Christ-faced, which ultimately means uh, cross-shaped. And so if, if God is working in us good in everything, you know, this is, of course, part of the Church's teaching about providence, uh, which I think a lot of Catholics may be confused about. They think, well, you know, uh, is God really uh, behind everything, or does, or does he ordain all things? Is he aware of all things that are going to happen and have control over everything? No, that doesn't seem right. Um, and yet, the Catechism is clear, the Scriptures are clear, God is the master of, of history, right? He is working his purposes out in history, in our lives. And so, but what is the good that he's working? Well, he's, he's getting us to look like Jesus. He wants us to look like Jesus, which means humble prayerful, uh, holy. And that means uh, suffering. You know, if we're going to look like Jesus, we're going to have some nights that are going to look like Maundy Thursday. Uh, And if we're going to look like Jesus, that means we're going to have some days that are going to look like Good Friday. But if, if he's trying to shape us in Christ's image, then our life is going to have both beautiful moments but also difficult, challenging, uh, cleansing, purgative moments, all of these kinds of things, because that's what we need to become Christ-shaped. 
And when we understand that, and, when, and then we, we look at our whole life and say, okay, that means every part of my life is for me. There's nothing in my life that's not for me, because even the difficult things are shaping me to look like Jesus on his knees, trusting his Father in Gethsemane. The difficult days of my life are shaping me to look like Jesus, uh, praying for those who would attack him on Good Friday. And ultimately, we trust that in this wisdom, if we trust in Christ, that through this, we'll have our own Easter Sunday, both at the end and the resurrection, and of course, by the grace of God, we get to kind of have a foretaste of that when um, when we're delivered out of difficult circumstances, even now. But even if we aren't delivered out, you know, the martyrs, uh, they had to face that, and they were conformed to the image of Christ, and it's only at the resurrection that they'll have that, that beautiful, um, glorious moment where, uh, where their body is uh, healed and restored. But I think this is such an important thing for Christians as we live our lives, to realize that God is working in us this amazing good, but the good is to be Christ-shaped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to what Solomon prays for, doesn't it? This, what you're speaking of is gaining that wisdom of, of the knowledge of where we come from and what we are meant for. And so then we can pray things like, Lord, I love your commands. The law of your mouth to me is more precious than gold and silver pieces, which seems like such a hard prayer to, to pray, right? Or to give up everything to go buy that field to find that pearl of great price. Absolutely. And remembering, you know, it's one thing to think, oh, yes, God has a plan for me and his wisdom, you know, it must be so high, uh, you know, how could I possibly understand? But the good news of the gospel is that the wisdom became a man. That's what St. Paul says, I think it's to the Colossians, that Christ is the wisdom of God. So the wisdom of God became flesh, and when we encounter Jesus and draw closer to him, we're drawing closer to God's plan for us and closer because he is the wisdom of God in the flesh. We've been talking to Father Jonathan Duncan. Go follow him on Twitter to get more pithy thoughts at FRJ Duncan. And Father, really appreciate your your thoughts this morning. Some beautiful ones on, on Romans chapter 8 especially and, and the wisdom of God who is Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. You do the same. Thanks, Father. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We will look forward to coming back with you live on Monday morning, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, I believe, the 31st. Until then, for all of you on EWTN, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Ryan Lopez here. 